DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. For a free quote and all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Time to welcome in Cam Meller, college football analyst, creative director for Pro Football Network. Cam joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Cam, good morning. Good morning to you as well. I can't believe we have a football game tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So... I am curious what you think as you uh, watch all of this unfold with Oklahoma and Texas. I, you know, at first I didn't quite understand because I, I looked at it as, man, Oklahoma and Texas really want to get to the college football playoffs. And joining the SEC is sort of a death sentence for them because they're sitting there against teams. You know, they're going to go, they won't win more than seven, eight games at that point. But then you realize how much more money those programs are going to make. And at that point, you got to weigh the national championships versus the money you're going to make on an annual basis. So it sort of makes a little bit more sense. Like, I understand the financial, uh, the availability of the finances there that makes it a little bit more, uh, you know, beneficial for the Sooners and Longhorns. It's still, uh, it's still baffling. And, uh, you know, ultimately we'll just shake up college football for, uh, for forever. Yeah, it certainly will. Do you think it also signals most definitely minimally a 12 team playoff, if not more? Yeah, I think that that's arguably where where it's going, and maybe they have a little bit more inside knowledge than we would generally. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be where we're going, and you know that that also then leads to even more decisions that some other programs are going to have to make, and other conferences have to make as well. So it seems like <clears throat> there's this long predicted theory it's going to be four conferences of sixteen, but it also seems like the SEC is not interested in anybody else or anybody else's survival or what's best for anybody else. And so when I hear people say they could go to 20 or 24 teams, first thing I thought was, what? No way, that's crazy. And then I thought, if the SEC had a chance to get Michigan and Ohio State or Clemson and Notre Dame or Clemson and Florida State, of course they would. They're the SEC. Yeah, there's there's honestly no reason not to at that point. You know, you, you figure it out from there, but yeah, you don't turn down some of those blue bloods that you could that you get and uh, just I mean it's the super conference at that point so again no no reason for them not to turn that down so do you see one if not more conferences as we know them going away and a sort of a reformation of a new look with teams uh, totaling 16 and whatever configuration that might be yeah it's hard to it's hard to put that into words at this point but yeah it's got to be you gotta you gotta move on. And I think we were ready to move on when the big when the Big Twelve had ten teams only and the Big Ten had twelve and then fourteen. You know, we were we're due for a couple of rename and realignments. It does it does make sense. Um, it, it is going to be interesting to see which one loses out in terms of who has to shake their name or who has to conform to the next. So that I think is arguably one of the more uh, fascinating points from a, from a spectator standpoint. So the SEC can gobble up these teams, but you've got one foot in college football as an analyst and another foot in pro football as well. And I'm curious as the NFL looks at that, uh, how many how many NFL players do they see in the Pac-12? Because a lot has been made of you know the best players in California being willing to go uh, all over the eastern half of the country to play for elite programs. Yeah, you know if they start getting even more of uh, of these blue blood programs, so to speak, then there's 
Uh, not only are we going to see, obviously, for obvious reasons, the majority of it, um, NFL players are going to be from the SEC, but then they're going to look at it as essentially NFL light, in my opinion. So when well, you're going to send your scouts and money and, and travel time to these programs, you're going to argue, have to put you know more resources into going and, and viewing these SEC contests because you know if you're looking at a Michigan versus Alabama every year, that's uh, you know how do you not? If you're looking at OSU versus Clemson, but it's an SEC game every single year, then there's no reason not to send it. You know all 32 teams won't be there. So yeah, it's, you know it'll be it'll be the NFL light almost NFL Junior. Yeah, and the NFL has a system that is designed basically to self-correct that through the draft. And you can't dictate where kids want to go play in college so there will never be any form of a draft. But I'm wondering if, as the NCAA sort of fades out as we know it, if there will be some type of formation of a college football commissioner, so to speak, to do something so it's not so one-sided in that way. And like, again, that's another tough one to, to ask. I think we're long overdue for a college football commissioner. Just if you've seen how everything has worked over the past, you know, past few years, not not only with, you know, Larry Scott and the whole Pac-12 commissioner aspect of the of that, uh, it's I think there needs to be one giant governing body, and I, I would agree that you know the NCAA presidents have not done quite enough. So I think we're a little bit overdue for sort of a college football commissioner and. I would be interested to see that how it works and, and where it comes from and what the guidance is, but it, it would be beneficial for for everybody, all parties involved. I would assume. So you uh, you got fired up as you watched uh, Zach Wilson play college football. There are still a lot of youth fans who are saying, "I'll oh, be why you had that record because you didn't play anybody." played one team one time and you lost. That debate has raged on here. It has raged on. And I'm curious what you think. I mean, we know what you think about Zach. But all the other guys who either got drafted or went to camps, that seemed like a high watermark for BYU, certainly in a decade, uh, probably more than that. Is that something you think the program's going to be able to sustain, anything even in that neighborhood? Uh, it's tough. And the, the debate, it's got to be not even just between you – fans and Cougar fans now, it's now between Dolphins fans and Patriots fans who want to say, oh, you know, Zach Wilson only played one one good team, and they failed to understand that they had to make the flight on a, what was it, a Tuesday for a Thursday? Like, it's that game was two days ago. Come on, give the kids some slack here, cut them some slack. So, I, sustaining that, though, I, I don't believe so. And I, unless you have, you know, a, a meteoric rise season like Zach had from, from any other player, you know, we'll see Tyler Algier and James M.P. and and a couple other players drafted, I think, this season coming up. But it's, at that point, you know, it's we got to see another rise to get the, the scouts there at the BYU games. Or you know, there's got to be a little bit more. It's uh, sustaining that is it's not easy unless you're these Alabama or Clemsons or OSUs at this point. Well, what's funny if we criticize for Zach, criticize Zach Wilson for playing only in one game, so to speak, and they lost. I mean, Trey Lance literally only played one game. <laughs> and I don't know who won. <laughs> I don't remember. But the point being, you know, it's not – I don't know how much the scouts focus in on the competition as opposed to the player himself and what he has to be able to offer you. So how do you handicap all those quarterbacks who were taken, uh, which was, you know, an inordinate amount very, very early in the draft? Yeah, you look at, in my opinion and in my analysis, I look at what the quarterback does against or on the field. What are the, the, the decisions he's making? You know, a, a pretty pass that's thrown away from coverage is thrown away from coverage intentionally. Obviously, there's you look at it independent of the skill level 
of the players, and you look at what he's done on the field for a quarterback very specifically. So you sort of have to isolate that out. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're playing Texas State, if you're playing Texas. It doesn't matter if you're playing Western Michigan or Michigan. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, in my opinion. If you're a good quarterback, you're a good quarterback, and those traits show up on the field. So, you know, it's handicapping the quarterbacks. Obviously, you look at Trevor Lawrence and Zach with pretty difficult situations that they have to go into as, they, as they're starting right away. So, you know, you got to hope that the team buys in around him and gives him enough time to succeed because, you know, we did not see that necessarily with a guy like Josh Rosen and then going forward. So I, I like what the Jets have done to build around him uh, so far. Um, and we'll see if it uh, see if it pans out. But got to give him some time, I think, to adjust to the game and adjust to everything that's going to happen in the, in the pro level. Ken Mello joining us, college football analyst and creative director for the Pro Football Network. So as long as you mention Lawrence, I'm curious about last year's number one pick. You know, out of sight, out of mind, and Joe Burrow got hurt and all that kind of stuff. So is he going to be ready to come back and light it up, or should we tap, tamp down our expectations for him? You know, everybody wants to say that they're going to recreate uh, that fabulous season that he had with Jamar Chase, but I, I would temper expectations. You know, you don't come back from a – Decently horrific knee injury uh, right away, especially with a team who did not address offensive line issues. And if you know if it wasn't bad enough, you look at the first few reports from camp and practice with pads on, and it apparently was ugly. And it's not just ugly because the defense shined. It was that the offense was making terrible decisions. They couldn't block, and Burrow was a little bit gun-shy. So it's practice. I know that's one thing, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little uh, hesitant to say that they do very, very well this season, and, and Joe does not quite recreate that magic he had with Jamar Chase. So it's way early, and it really doesn't mean anything, but it's for fun anyway. Uh, who do you see potentially being a first-round quarterback selection in the 2022 draft? Uh, you know, there's, there's the, obviously the big two, Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, but I do think that Malik Willis sort of is this, people want to claim him as a dual-threat kind of kid, an athletic running quarterback at Liberty, and what competition is he going to play? This is this is a kid who obviously went to Auburn first, uh, runs an incredible read option offense, but he's got all the intangibles of a pro quarterback. He's got amazing read and reactability in the pocket, quite the maneuver, maneuverability out of the pocket as well. So I really think Malik Willis can vault up draft boards and you know be invited to New York for the Heisman this season because I don't see Hugh Freeze taking him out of the games and games that they're up a lot too because uh, you know four thousand passing yards and. 1,500 rushing yards is not out of the question here. What about Slovis at SC? Slovis needs to needs to show some things and show some consistency. Those those first half woes last season, you know, against the the one that really jumped out to me was Arizona. You know, they should never have had to have played from behind against Arizona. So uh, he's got to be a little bit more consistent in all four quarters to to continue to stay in that first round discussion. The NFL emptied out the Utah defense a couple years ago, and last year was a huge rebuilding project. A lot of new guys. They only played five games, but are there already guys on the radar? Have they got a bunch of NFL guys up there again? Yes, and it starts with who I thought should have won Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2019, Devin Lloyd. Uh, this is He's the prototypical linebacker for college football, but also at the NFL. Sideline to sideline ability coverage ability, uh, Devin Lloyd is, is the man. So I, I really don't see how he slips out of day two in the NFL draft already. And that is, you know, that's without this season and any tape he's going to have this season. So it uh, starts with Lloyd, and then I, you know, there's going to be a lot more. I, I think this is an incredibly talented unit, uh, as they always are going to be under Coach Scali. Well, there's football tonight. Cowboys and Steelers. I'm not going to ask you to break it down. 
But are the Cowboys <laughs> ever going to pull it together? I, I'm, I'm so sick of all the hype the rest of the country is. If you're not on board with America's team, my gosh. That, it, it's been decades of this. They're just going to go 8-8 eight eight again, aren't they? Oh, they can't. 17 games, so they'll go 9-8. Nine and eight. You know, you're, you're optimistic there for them. I, I am not. Uh, I like Dak as a quarterback. I, I think he spent too much money on Zeke, and I think what they've built sort of it's an aging ticking time bomb and i don't think mccarthy's ready for this uh, this level of the nfl that we're in this year so uh you know he's he's on a short leash after year one i it, i don't see them putting it together obviously we won't we won't really learn anything tonight i i am very excited to see Simi fihoko though that receiver uh, i hope that ben denucci can get him the ball though that's all i gotta say cam we appreciate the time enjoy the game thanks a lot my pleasure thanks for having me Cam Miller, college football analyst, creative director for the Pro Football Network. Join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Cowboys and Steelers on Fox tonight at 6 o'clock. The uh, Hall of Fame game in Canada. Well, you're going to go nuts if the Cowboys won, right? I probably won't. Well, Australia beat the U.S. in basketball and you went nuts? It's not the same thing and you know it. <laughs> it's an exhibition game. It couldn't be more identical. In terms of meaninglessness, less, less. The what, huh? <laughs> Meaninglessness, less. <laughs> it's like you do when a names you don't know how to pronounce. You just... <laughs> <laughs> Might have done that a time or two. I'll just go ahead and raise my hand and plead guilty to that. We Now, it's friendlies now are determining everything. You know, I Utah has a scrimmage not this Saturday, but next Saturday. If they don't win that, they're not going to win a game this year. You need to <laughs> if, they, to if they can't beat themselves. <laughs> you need to listen to Fran Fraschilla because he was talking Coach to you Fran? and he tweeted out, and and you've talked to Fran many times. I have. Let's not get smug about this. I love my at USA basketball as much as I love international hoops. Be grateful that KD decided to play. That was after the win. Well, what is, does that mean decided to show up? or does it, And he didn't necessarily... No, I think it's... I, literally on the team? I, all I've got to go on is the, is the tweet, and I assume he means that he didn't stay home the way LeBron did, the way Steph did. And that because the USA has this one elite player, that's the difference for them between winning and losing. And the Suns, man! If Antetokounmpo would have got deported, we'd have a championship in Phoenix! (laughs) What sport, what game can't you say that? That's your best evidence. My work here is done for the day. Goodbye. Good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Let's not get smug about this. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) Well, of course... And, and right now, the Australians are thinking, man, if we would have had Aaron Baines, who like fell in the bathroom or something and, and injured himself and is out. Yeah, that's the game everybody plays. Booker had a nice game, too, if you could say Booker. Thank goodness the Suns lost, so Booker still has an edge, or else they would have lost that game. I mean, D- come on, come on, come on! DJ and PK, question of the day coming up. How much do jazz fans love the offseason? We will get to that and all the jazz moves coming up right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.